0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. My name's Phil Lebrun and I'm an enterprise strategist with Amazon Web Services. I had the opportunity recently to talk with John Hurley, Chief Technology Officer of Ryanair, and Lucy Nugent, Chief Executive Officer of Tyler University Hospital. In the conversation, John and Lucy shared experiences and insights into the transformations their organizations have been through and some of the keys to success. Several of their insights particularly resonated with me. Digital transformations aren't just technology fire and forget projects. They're a way of becoming increasingly customer-centric and responding to changes in the environment. It's a whole leadership and whole organization challenge. To do this, you really need to understand what customers want, what their journey looks like, and where their points of frustration are. And then be prepared to create an environment in the workplace which doesn't just accept experimentation but actively encourages it and the learnings experiments generate whether successful or not it was also humbling hearing two successful leaders talk about their need to continually learn and be prepared to make mistakes in doing so and finally some of the foundational aspects of any transformation came through loud and clear good consistent communication the use of data to make decisions clarity of purpose of the transformation, and bringing everyone along on the journey. I came away inspired hearing both John and Lucy talk. I hope you do too. Thank you for joining me today. Um, Let's start, Lucy, with yourself. Could you give the audience uh, a little bit of background about yourself, your role at uh, Tala University Hospital, please? Hi, Phil. Um,
1: My name is Lucy Nugent, as you said. I'm the chief executive here at Talley University Hospital. It's a Model 4 academic teaching hospital in Dublin. Um, I am in the role since January 2019. I am originally, um, way, way back, I trained as a nurse, and I moved into management uh, operations initially, and then into more senior leadership positions uh, in
0: the early noughties. Fantastic. Thank you. John, I mean, you must be at the other end of the spectrum in your industry at the moment. Could you uh, give the audience a little bit of background on yourself too and the role you play?
2: I feel I'm CTO of Ryanair for the last seven years, a lifelong software developer enthusiast. I first started coding when I was 10 years of age. I manage a team of 500 IT professionals across four sites in Dublin, Rostov in Poland, Madrid and Lisbon. Fantastic. You, you say you're a software
0: enthusiast. Are you like me? You're more enthusiastic than skilled, or are you actually a, a good developer?
2: I wish I was a good developer. I might have claimed that about twenty years ago, but in the last twenty years, it's, it's faded away. Technology is good. Sort of developers have passed me out, but I still am a good hobbyist.
0: It happens to us all. Uh, uh, you both represent industries which have had some pretty interesting challenges over the past 18 months so i'd love to understand a little bit more about your transformation journey john could we start with yourself and and the transformation journey that Ryanair has been on
2: yeah well, certainly well Ryanair is a unique beast as you probably all know on top of being the world Europe's largest largest airline it has an incredibly simple model which is all about being safe and offering low-cost low-cost flights and with more low-cost flights. Is, it's a it's a machine that keeps churning out, producing price, more customers come in and we grow in that in our perspective. In 2013, we had about 80 billion passengers flying with us, we had 200 aircraft ordered and a business decided to embrace IT, embrace technology and help us grow to our target which is over 200 million passengers in the next four to five years. So they set up labs, so they went from having IT which was a as a team of 20-30 people. It was a cost structure and our job was not to spend money to actually embracing it and driving forward. So we set up labs in Dublin and it's been an amazing journey ever since. Since then we've built two two full versions of the website. We've re-engineered it every line of code twice. We have two native apps. We're doing releases of code, probably 10-12 releases per day on the website and releasing versions of mobile app every two weeks and it's it's been incredibly, incredibly exciting.
0: And out of curiosity, you said the business uh, embraced technology, which is fantastic. We know that's so critical to any transformation, but what was that trigger?
2: Our CEO, he decided we're going to do it, and that's how it works. And once you have a stakeholder, that senior behind something, just things drive forward. Um, it's again, it's a unique company in the sense that it's, it's agile before agile was invented. The whole agile is software development mentality. It's how the company's always worked, it's, everything is in a one-week cadence. We open bases. We pick new routes. You try. You see what happens. Huge focus on productivity over meetings and documentation, and that's what our operation company. So when we they said are going to go to IT, it, was there was no Gartner consultants came in. It was a case of let's give it a go. We hire somebody and we see what happens. And the mantra: fail quick, fail fast. Is it's in the DNA of, the, of the, and the fabric of the company.
0: Fantastic. I think we'll we'll come back and explore that topic more in a in a moment. Lucy, um, you must have had your own challenges. Uh, most recently. What was the trigger for your transformation though? And when did you start that journey?
1: Well, I suppose when I took up the post of CEO in January 19, the first job that um, the board of directors gave me was to write a a new strategic plan. And I felt quite passionately that um, research and innovation in healthcare is uh, a moral responsibility almost. We have to ensure that we're giving... uh, the most up-to-date evidence-based practice to our patients. Uh, a bit like Ryanair, patients are our core business and, and everything we do uh, relates back to that. So um, again, the strategic plan, it's available on our website, is very clear. There's six priority areas, but they're all about improving access uh, to patients because if you can't access us and our services in a timely fashion, it doesn't matter how good we are. So, um, again, there's been some fantastic advancements in healthcare, particularly in the area of, for example, artificial intelligence, or as we like to call it, assisted decision making. Um, it seems less threatening to clinicians. So... Um, we were lucky in one sense that the pandemic came along because it accelerated a lot of those decisions where, you know, we're quite cautious by nature in healthcare because you have to be because it's people's lives that you're, you're uh, dealing with. Uh, but we were able to accelerate a lot of things um, in a very short space of time. So the agility that, for example, Ryan Hare has, uh, we usually only have in emergency situations. So never waste a pandemic is my motto at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's two aspects, Lucy, we often hear. It's it's the leadership, a change in leadership, and or a crisis unfortunately triggers transformations. So I'm curious, as CEO, you've clearly embraced technology, and John talked about the importance of that top-down leadership. Why? Uh, what did you see uh, that was be, uh, in Tala, which was beyond just technology and, and the cost associated to it, but seeing it as something which could really... Uh, change the business you're in, but it was beyond just doing new technology.
1: Well, I think I'm very lucky in that I'm surrounded by some very talented people, and uh, again, you know, it's the small, it's the small incremental uh, changes that suddenly becomes uh, a mushroom cloud. So, for example, um, we provide a stroke service and thrombolysis for people who have had a uh, stroke, and uh, we we put our hand up to be uh, the pilot site for anything um any i said never refuse a reason of any reasonable offer so for example we had um a piece of ai software put onto our CT scanner and um one of our clinicians was leading out and again if something in the hospital is clinically led from a from a a a provider of healthcare, it will succeed if i said i want you to try this out it won't work you have to bring the people with you so i said i'm lucky that i have people who are 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 stepping up regularly to say right how can we do things better how can we add value so this particular um consultant has a fantastic story that he was on call he had done come in and done his post call rounds he had um was driving away and the software on his phone for this ai um alerted him that there was a patient in our ct scanner who had a stroke he rings his registrar on call back in the hospital and he goes i'm in the ct scanner i haven't been told that yet so he turned the, the consultant turns around. So it's that real time decision making, and actually in that particular case, it was a very subtle stroke. That if the software hadn't directed the clinician to, they might have missed it. So um, telling a story, I think, brings people along with you. So I, I roll, I roll. Dan Ryan as his name. I roll him out regularly to, for example, my board of directors or the executive management team. Say, this is the real impact that. Um, you know, transformation can have when you actually you know, try. It's all about trying and again, as, if something doesn't work, that's okay. Your, your greatest learning is your last mistake. So as long as it's safe that's the one thing obviously and again um, John, I'm resonating with a, a, a lot of the things you say. Safety first because again, you are, you have your, your passengers are people and my patients are people.
0: I find it fascinating. You've, you've both touched on the same idea of almost experimentation, changing culture, um, way beyond just the technology. And I think we know good digital transformations need great technology, but it also needs changes to the ways of working. John, you used a word which often gets overused, agile, uh, but by the sounds of it, you've implemented it as it truly was meant to be implemented across the business as a way of changing your culture and the willingness to take considered risks and experiments to find out what works for you. How, how much of a culture change was this for Ryanair? And how did you find a balance between keeping the things which really have stood you in good stead over the years intact while evolving other aspects of your culture?
2: It's interesting. Um, as I said before, the Ryanair culture actually is agile. I agree, the word is overused. It's how they think, it's how they interact. It's like a startup that's 30 years old full of enthusiasms, always new routes, always new countries to go to, always new destinations with, with guardrails, as Lewis was saying, safety first and go forward, f- go forward from there. And the biggest job we had in, in software we set up was not to get in the way, not to slow down, embrace the culture the company had, to recognise what was strong and utilise that and double down on it. Like as I said before, our CEO can make decisions on a, on a in five six minutes there's no go away and think about it for six months you get a yes or no very quickly which is brilliant for soft developers they have an idea it gets shot down and gets pat on the back and you move on. Funny story we still had to do the old-fashioned way of putting posters on the walls everybody laughed at us they thought we were bonkers so they're still laughing today at the words scrum and sprint and all those agile words which I think yeah they can be a bit misinterpreted and every company has a unique way of doing it um, some genius worked out that the Reiner call code is FR and agile, so fragile, that's what we have and they kind of that, discovered that wasn't the first, they weren't the first people to say it. But they adopted it, they got it and they couldn't believe to could walk into someone's office and see the, the roadmap for the next six months and there was posters on the wall in simple English and people challenged them and you would executives from other departments coming in reading going that's a bad idea, that's a good idea. But the key though is in the whole agile world or software development world you have to be able to make change quickly, roll forward and roll back. Nobody wants to have an idea that's going to be 12 months before it sees season later day it has to be quick it has to be I'm going to use the word agile again nimble and once you can do that you can roll forwards, you can roll back people invest and they're willing to give it a go and the quotation and thank him so much every meeting for calling it. if you're not embarrassed by your, Mark Zuckerberg's famous quotation if you're not embarrassed by your first release you waited too long it kind of embodies who we are and it's very important you still get into, into certain areas and, and drive forward with that that's
0: really interesting. Both you and Lucy have used the same word core to your business about safety, which I think on the surface makes a lot of sense, whether you're in the, the healthcare business or the airline business. But you also touched on on something else, that sort of psychological safety. How do you create that environment where people are willing to take a bit of a risk and aren't trying to get everything perfect for the first release?
2: It, it is hard, it is very, very hard, especially other departments are used to having, you know. especially we're not used to IT, you buy Microsoft Word, it comes in a box, it works, and that's your expectation of software. And you have, it, it is a journey, and you sit down and you explain, you can ha- see it now, you can react and iterate and do demos. And What happens is by demos, it could be fourth, fifth demo, and going, that's good, and I have it now, and you build a demand that way, you have to go. It's trust, and it's taking time, and it's showing software, and not hiding, and being transparent. One of the key things you have in, in labs is all our data is exposed. We don't hide it. We have dashboards, we share everything. So there's nothing being hidden. And you have to build, you, you literally have to build a, a layer of trust. A funny story when I first got here, we had our, our first software disaster. And I was in front of the CEO saying, I'll kick off a, a post mortem. And he looked at me going, Why? Just to make sure it never happens again. And it's, and it's back to the culture, the touch and culture. It's like, stop, we're in the past, it's go forward and go forward correctly. How do you as a
0: leader, Lucy, embrace that? Because you, you, you both have big responsibilities. You're in industries which are in the news, which provide essential services, which, uh, where safety plays a, a key role. When it comes to this idea of experimentation and learning, Uh, It sometimes has this connotation of we don't quite know where we're going. We're trying to figure it out. It's not quite as neat as coming up with a project plan, which gives everyone that sort of semblance of security. What's your role in in creating that environment where people do speak out and they are willing to take a bit of a a risk and experiment in the right areas?
1: Well, one thing uh, actually that we learned from from a session with Amazon one time is uh, write the press release. Um you know, so how do you see this project this um change uh, how 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 would you describe it uh, if you're doing a, a press release and work your way backwards and actually that's actually loosened up thinking, and people can say, okay, don't get you know maybe, you know of course you have to get down to the minutia, but sell it to me, pitch it to me and then let's let's talk it through um and I think you have to create a little bit of um uh excitement about things because people they're very busy and um, the day-to-day doesn't go away uh, unfortunately there's very little protected time and um, particularly for our clinical staff to come up with ideas so you have to make things accessible so we we developed an innovation hub, and we have a head of innovation, and she has dropping clinics every Tuesday and Thursday. And someone just can walk in and say, "I've got this idea," and up on the wall, they can they can work it out and say, "This actually has this. Come back to me. Let me let me tease this out. This could have merit." So you need to make it, you need to make things accessible for people to um, basically come up with new ideas and and get support. That's very important
2: because they're busy sorry Phil jump in there very funny story about Amazon came in gave us the same speech about write your press releases first and I turned around and said nah, we've a better one than that our CEO publishes the press releases <laughs> and you read your roadmap in the paper very good and actually, has ha- it actually has happened to me Rooms was announced publicly read it in the Irish Times came back to the team going that idea we have we're going to do it we're going to do it in three months this is how we're going to do it it's brilliant but it's that's the DNA as a cultural company so you get an idea you make it happen
0: That's really interesting because we we know that some of the the keys to uh, transformation, success are clarity of communication. So I guess if your plan's in the newspaper, no one can say they don't know where you're going. Uh, But the the other thing you've both touched on is that role of leadership. Lucy, you talked about that lifelong learner, which is is so critical. It's so easy as a leader to think you know all of the answers at a certain point in your career and then then, um, people come to you for the answer. And agile organizations work in a very different way. John, how do, you, how do you create that shadow of a leader where people are looking at you and your behaviours and your, what you're learning as a reflection of, of the culture of Ryanair?
2: I suppose the key actually is accept you're one of the dumbest people in the room, ask curious questions and encourage people to speak. And don't go into the room with expectations of all the answers. Assume the guy who's written the code understands better than you, you know it. They live in it, they live in it day to day and it's your job as leader to extract it, listen, encourage and acknowledge it and it's it's almost a servant leadership type role and by doing that then you drive a culture of people with ideas to drop in to send emails and you have these forums for um, posting new ideas and the key then is a commitment to if an idea comes out you you respond to it with very clear feedback saying it's a good or a bad idea and why Um, The only challenge we have here and the software development world is sometimes some ideas are too new and they're too funky and they're not actually, they may be cutting edge now but it could be a dead technology in six months time. So it's kind of getting, reining the horses in a small bit and staying just, just behind the cutting edge and at the same time staying modern. If you want to attract top talent and top, top developers, you have to kind of be cognizant of that and make sure there's an environment you want to work in and the field nurtured and the field are growing and they're, and they're learning all the time.
0: So you've both been very clear about the role of culture in your organisations. John, do you actually look for that in individuals when you're recruiting? How do you continue to not only perpetuate the culture, uh, but raise the bar on it and continue to
2: improve it with, with some of the decisions you make around people? It's a challenge and recruitment is probably one of the biggest challenges that we have. And I suppose after the pandemic, a lot of staff have turned over and moved on and different lifestyle choices it's it's even a bigger challenge and keeping the culture as i said before we got sites across we've sort of developed sites across three different locations in europe and local cultures and it's it's just not i can't hide from it it's a continuous challenge we can struggle with that but i suppose the key is and one of the benefits of a vaginal software is you you'd have a stand up every single day the culture gets in a certain level gets re-embodied what did you do what are you doing today how can i help and you don't hide and code them every two weeks and people don't like that people that aren't don't buy that, they move on quite quickly. That's the one benefit of um, software development at the moment, you can move very quickly if you don't like what you, don't like what you have. So it's very easy, very quickly by self-select, you, you actually get a culture of people that actually embody your what you do. If people want to be ambitious and be brave and make decisions and work in a lean environment where they, they can't hide and they don't want to hide, you're welcome here. If you actually want to hide in the corner and a 15 boss is managing you, you're in the wrong company and people are realize that very quickly and they move on so it's a funny one because it's a bit people's ability to move these days is actually the recruitment process is it's double-edged they recruit you mm. remember one guy telling me john the market's white hot at the moment you better be a good boss <laughs> and he and he was right great advice is the old adage that most people leave organizations
0: because of their boss and L- lucy you know similar question to to you um, how do you maintain and uh, build your culture through some of the decisions you make with people or the environment you could create for them?
1: Well, I I suppose, you know, again, we're a people business and and our vision statement is people caring for people to live better lives. And when we originally came up with it, it was very much geared to the patient, but actually it's very much geared towards staff as well now. Um, I think um, I have to be visible uh, and the executive management team have to be visible so that, you know, we're not hiding in an office. Particularly over the past eighteen months, you know, we are there with you, um, and I think it's about being um, very open and honest. But, you know, it's it's it's. I always, I always struggle to 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 say thank you to staff well enough, in the sense that how can I thank them for you know literally putting their lives at risk, particularly at the start of the pandemic when you know you know PPE was in short supply, etc. Um, and I think it's about being um, honest, open communicate through every single medium you can and if that's you know going to a team meeting it's you know there's a staff newsletter i'm sure half the staff don't read them um but it's about being very um visible very accessible um and you know we have we actually have now established a leadership academy in the hospital we're putting we're investing in the education the you know the lifelong learning as i mentioned earlier the education of staff um, because we want to attract them to come and work with us we want them to develop them as individuals because it's not just all about the day-to-day job in front of you it's the development as a person um, we've a lot of staff well-being uh, programs as well because you know you spend most of your waking hours in work and it needs to be um, you need to be at the top of your game um, and if we can help uh, an individual as an organization to to be happy to come to work and to be happy in, in their, their life generally, that's as important as giving them, you know, the right headset and computer.
0: And one other question based on that, Lucy, so, so we heard John talk about his enthusiasm for software development, and then like me, probably the enthusiasm outweighs the, the skill, so we're not gonna get hired for our, uh, our technical skills, but we've sort of got that heritage of coming up through technology. How do you stay current enough with technology, to understand where it can be and can't be used in the business, and what you need to do to make sure it is being used effectively.
1: Well, I think um, again, I have a ver- an excellent chief information officer, Dave Wall. So he's he he. he it's about trying to keep to to, to to stop him from bringing more and more stuff to my attention. I think it's really good to look um, outside of your own industry. Um, Obviously, there's lots, lots of um, technological developments in health, which you know it's very easy for us to. We have a lot of we have a, a good network of, of other healthcare providers, but it's looking outside the industry too. And um, so things like I know in um, the the October Fest um, in Dublin was where you know you had a, a beer festival, and there was software to actually because there was a lot of complaints uh, by the by the neighbours to say there was a lot of late night drinking, a lot of noise disruption. They actually had um, a tagging system to track the number of people coming in when they came in and when they left via their mobile phones, and I thought, well, that's a good way of tracking the footfall in the hospital. Like, how many people come into the hospital every day? Like, we've nearly three and a half thousand staff. We we have, you know, we we do a quarter of a million outpatient appointments a year, etc. So there's a lot of people coming in and out of the hospital. So again, it's using the software from Oktoberfest in a in a hospital is another way of, of, of understanding your business. And I think that's important to to look beyond just the narrow focus of health.
0: Lucy, you try and keep your customers close to what's going on and really listen to them. How, how do you do that?
1: Um, we actually have a, a patient and community advisory council, so uh, made up of patients who attend the hospital regularly and also um, our local community. Um, our local community are great supporters of the hospital they also feel it's their hospital so we're very keen to to have their voice um we have um patient representatives on our on our um a lot of our committees Uh, and again a community representative on our board of directors so again it's making sure that their voice is is very much part of our service planning and delivery because um we, we want to move away from doing something to a patient to doing something with the patient. Um, and you know there's that great phrasing, nothing about me without me. And we're, we're very much trying to live that.
0: John, you're dealing with millions of customers. How do, how do you understand what they want and don't want and what's
2: working? As our head of QA keeps joking, he goes, John, we have the best QA department on the planet. It's called Twitter. <laughs> We do release, we know very, very fast that people didn't like the uh, software. Uh, you're 100% correct Phil. without their customers we wouldn't have an airline. We're passionate about that, the key has always been to focus as if you can give them a great choice with great price, price, and you're efficient, so you leave on time, you don't lose your bags, which we're, we're now for, you've got a very good product. But that said and done, you always have to keep an eye on what's coming next, what expectations are happening, what the competition are doing, and the competition as Lucy said before, competition is another airline, competition is what amazon are doing what facebook are doing people's expectations for software and technology is it's at that level if they visit your website and they visit your product that doesn't have that level of finesse they get the hair sense the back of their neck something feels funny something feels wrong so that's where we're at and that's what we're continuously trying to do and it's and strive for
0: it. one thing you've both talked about was experimentation and jeff bezos to paraphrase a phrase he's got is if you're running an experiment in and you know the answer; it's not an experiment. Uh, how or what have you discovered? Has there been any surprises in terms of uh, benefits of new technology or applying technology to a particular problem that you genuinely didn't expect to see in an experiment?
2: We are continuously in an experimentation mode. When we first started four or five years ago, it had been more crude in a sense of try new features, see what happens, try a pop-up, you know, change the color of the font. To our more sophisticated days now we're actually in proper good old-fashioned a B testing and that's been it's been big because as people struggled with certain people in certain departments believed they were the oracles and they understood what it could look like and explained no you don't know especially we have 37 we fly 37 countries with cultures the book us from all over the world we've 48 different versions of the website every one of them has a different way of interpreting certain words but we do our best it's very important we live for data we test everything. Are we're growing all the time and I suppose the feel actually the opposite is you don't get surprised by experimentation you have a champion you have a challenge you have a good idea you get a hunch and it's, you roll with it and the data tells you very fast what you have other parts of experimentation in the business where they think we're bonkers is kind of along the whole machine learning sidehouse. So if we can do predictive maintenance for example instinctively people you can't predict the future so you go into a conversation going let's do an experiment there I don't know wasting your time You you can't it doesn't work that way, and Lucy touched on it before there about the um, spotting the stroke victim. It's the same idea. There's patterns. We get data off the aircraft all the time. Just thousands of sensors on the aircraft. If you can, see, if the computer can see a pattern, and this pattern every happens every single time before there's an issue, even with it, the air conditioning system, it can help. And they're they being blown away by it. So that's a, another form of experimentation. It's also very much in the start of the conversation slowly, slowly catch you monkey. Brian convince that space when we get better at it and do more of it, we will be very surprised at what, we're, what we're able to predict and discover in that space.
0: You're both incredibly busy. Uh, you know One of the characteristics of organisations that experiment is going into experiments with an open mind, and yet there's also that need to run your day-to-day business and have predictability of results and the such like how, how lucy how do you maintain an open mind to some of these correlations you talk about which you know, potentially if we approach this in in the way that uh, john mentioned where you know a particular silo in an organization has a particular view because it's always done this way we we, we would miss some of this richness of the data you uh, uh, and some of the results you're seeing at tala
1: well, i think you, you do have to have a stable day-to-day You know, it's very hard to to be innovative and bring about change if you're in a very turbulent environment on a date. And that pandemic is exceptional. If you're just really busy, it's the winter, you know, the winter vomiting bug is in your hospital, you have trolleys everywhere. It's very hard to lift yourself up out of the the day-to-day. So you need to make sure that you've got a a stable platform and you have people who are dealing with the day-to-day. Often the people, though, who are dealing with the day-to-day come up with the best idea. Um, So again, it's about... um, Keeping the conversation going, it's about how can we do things differently? Is, is there anything, to, you know, I, I often say to people, well, is there anything you think we should do differently? And sometimes just asking that question gives people the permission to think, okay, what could I do? What, what could we change? Um, and again, it's, it's keeping that, that, um, that conversation going. Also, if someone suggests something, um, give it a go. You know what you know and again as long as it's safe as we said earlier within that you know safety rail parameters um what have you got to lose um now obviously if there's a lot of money involved that that's a different um process because you've got to take people through a, a much more structured process because it's taxpayers money i'm using um but in that situation it's about um saying it's okay to come forward um sometimes it takes time and a lot of times I, I am aware that people do this. They, they go above and beyond their, their nine to five hours. They, they, they do a lot of work outside of that um, and because they're passionate.
0: You've both touched on a wide range of topics which can sound really nebulous. You talk about things like culture, experimentation, open exchange of ideas, having fun, learning all the time. It, it can feel a bit overwhelming when when a traditional organisation Uh, really understands what a digital transformation is and and they want to start on that path with their own transformation. What advice would you give an organization, John, which knows it needs to reinvent itself,
2: but doesn't know where to start? Okay, the most important place to start definitely is key stakeholder. The top have to embrace it. Your C-suite have to go, we're doing this, we're making this happen, we're going to empower, we're going to invest. And you have to instruct their, their teams to help when the new guy comes in looking for help, that's if you haven't got that, don't start. And immediately after that, it's all done about hiring smart people, having the right people, and if we had the right people right here, we'd be nowhere. And it's it's getting that combination together correct. And then the third thing then is roll your sleeves up. No point reading garden reports. No point in out there thinking. Just get started. Get stuck in. Start delivering something, and and get your stake. Get the stakeholder like it's, it got us invest heavily in you. You have to return that investment very quickly. With we've done something, we're we'll making a change. And, so that's it open transparency key stakeholders and a good team and get going you have to be willing to learn and you have to be willing to and if you haven't got that leadership team and i have a leadership team with that in their dna it spreads across the rest of the organization it's very very important
0: lucy in a similar vein you you come from a very different background to to john Um, what would you say to uh, a fellow ceo who is a little bit overwhelmed with all of the change which needs to happen to make an organisation um, fighting fit for the future?
1: Well, I think, number one, stabilize the ship. That's important, as we said. But also, go for go for the low-hanging... F- well, first of all, you have to make sure that, you know, in my situation, it's the board of directors, not all hospitals in Ireland. They're statutory and voluntary. I'm a voluntary, so I have a board of directors. Making sure that... Um, they think it's a good idea um, because if if they're not uh, on board, it won't succeed. As John says, it is the top down and um, make sure that um, as a CEO, you've got better than you people, better than you around you. Uh, and also, you know, you have to um, you kind of have to sell the vision. Uh, you have to make it meaningful. You have to make it. Well, it, it can't be some kind of ideology. It has to be actually um, boots on the ground delivery so again you know starting starting with small and um, small projects but give kind of a bit of a big bang making it very visual so i say we have an innovation hub bang in the middle of our our atrium our main reception so it's a very clear message to everyone we're serious about it basically it's called serious play with lego and you use lego bricks to actually articulate or, or to 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 display your problem and then display your vision. And then you bring everyone's together in this big, massive Lego uh, structure. Um, and I was doing it as a team building exercise and I was, hoped to get a few ideas for the strategy out of it. It was amazing how um, all these disparate people um, actually came together with the same um, the same common goal by the end of it. So again, it's getting, um, as a CEO, use, use different ways of having... Conversations as well, not just all sitting around a boardroom table or in this current climate on a team's call. Um, think of different ways to engage people. I think is very important, and and try and you know, um, the small fan the embers of the flame in, into a burning furnace.
0: I'd love to be a fly on the wall, Lucy. There, while all of these serious men and women were sitting around building Lego things. Lucy, you talked about play as a way of learning. Um, how else? do you go about bringing your leaders along so technology is seen as something they feel more comfortable about and they know where it fits in your organisation?
1: Well, I suppose, um, again, never waste a crisis. We had a cyber attack in May of this year at the health service here in Ireland. And up to then, people wanted, you know, we wanted the the end product. You know, we weren't really interested in the foundations or kind of how it works. And again, um, the cyber attack, I suppose, taught us how much we need technology how reliant we are on technology we were lucky because the the great cio i was mentioning had put in host protection access software six months before the attack so the conti virus didn't get into our systems but because we are linked to a lot of um, external health systems we had to sh- shut down um, temporarily and i think people suddenly realized okay technology is part of our everyday life in work as well as at home and i think there was a um a new respect for technology it's making people i think people are far more comfortable now even though we're not a technology business i think people are far more comfortable um and also technology has improved so much it's quite intuitive now um compared to years ago
0: you both come over as paragons of the ideal leader who's got everything right with digital transformations or whatever you call it in, in your organization. You talk about culture and people and bringing people along, uh, which is fantastic. Now, let's talk about some of those mistakes you made. Uh, what would you have loved to have known if you rewound the clock two, three years um, and as you made some of these changes in the organization or as your organization embraced these changes, what would you have done differently or what would what do you wish you had known?
1: I think... Um to to maybe trust that gut feeling a little bit more. I was probably maybe a little bit cautious in the beginning of, you know, making sure that I was, you know, balancing the books. I mean, because obviously, you know, um, there are finite resources in health um, with multiple competing demands. So maybe be a little bit more um, trusting of my gut. Um, I think I was, um, I've made mistakes along the way. Um, definitely, I think we all have. Um, so far, there has been because I, you know, the next the next disaster is around the corner. So far, there hasn't been anything that hasn't been um, uh, critical or undoable. Um, and I think just to accept um, that you are going to make mistakes. I think the fear of making a mistake is worse than making the mistake. So just accept that if you do, as long as it's not catastrophic, it's 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 not the end of the world. And as we said, it's it's probably your your greatest learning is your last mistake.
0: John, how about yourself? What what do you wish you'd known, or um, any profound mistake you made looking back?
2: Too many mistakes to mention. I suppose the key the key here, if, if you headspace off, fail fast, alert for your mistakes, and be understand, acknowledge. There's no big, massive mistake you're ever going to regret fundamentally. But things I wish I could have done differently. I would believe I'd more time in the culture, especially as you brought um, with a lot of non-Irish people that don't get the Irish way of doing things not saying it's special, not saying it's right, it just means it's just how we operate and, and make sure they're on border properly I we went to Poland, went to Spain, again very different cultures and just exp- getting that across to people and what's unique about what Ryanair there too as I said at the start we kind of have a a one-week cadence, a decision gets made Monday morning, it's happening by that Friday and it's as simple as that and a lot of developers brought in had come from shall we say the banking industry where projects were there could be seven, eight years in the making. Nothing happened in a week. And you'd say it on, we're doing this this week, and you come back from a check in on Wednesday, going, oh, You really were serious? And, yes, I was serious. This is happening this week. Where is it? And getting into that. We've made that mistake time and time again, I suppose. If I could start again, it'd almost be a mini. Um, the onboarding process is probably the best thing I should. we should focus more on getting guys up to speed. They're all smart, they all want to help, but understanding that's what these words mean in Ryanair, as we said before, it's just a common language. You're both in
0: incredibly challenging industries, uh, very different industries. What's next? What What's next for Ryanair? Where, where do you see the organization going and, and what's going to change in the industry in your mind?
2: Well for us the next five years is very simple, we have another 200 aircraft coming in, 210 sorry, the back new generation aircraft. That's very exciting for us. So it's gonna be finding routes, destinations. We've a published target of two hundred twenty five million passengers to maintain being the largest airline in Europe, probably go to new countries, expand our network. All exciting, all challenging. That's the direction the business is going. And from the IT perspective for is to catch up, stay with them and help them, have a better shop window for our customers coming on board and make sure we have the right data. We bring in machine learning. We can help optimize what we do as a company. Like we are a logistics nightmare, or an, opera- an optimization opportunity, it depends on how you look at it. You know, it's what aircraft goes on what route, what's the most fuel efficient way of doing it, and how we handle it. Our biggest challenge is always going to be staying ahead of the criminals when it comes to cyber, and next big challenge is obviously the green. We have an incredibly young fleet. We have the lowest um, carbon emissions across worldwide, so to, we're, we're in that place, but it's make sure that message is clear, people understand it, and we continuously drive and strive to becoming greener all the time and reducing your fuel burn, well, our CO2 emissions.
0: It sounds like you're going to be a little bit busier over the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Lucy, uh, what about Tala?
1: Yeah, so um, we have um, a vision of being a hospital without walls. We understand that a patient's condition doesn't stop the minute they walk out of the gates of the hospital. So we have developed uh, a number of facilities in our local community. So, for example, across the road from the hospital is a uh, a dedicated day surgery unit. Uh, it means it's protected from the pressures of emergency departments and bed cancellations. So, again, it's about um, outreaching into the community, ensuring improving access to our service and in, that our waiting times are reduced. Uh, to do that, we need to leverage technology because we need systems across the continuum of care to talk to each other. So, again, uh, the other element as well is, is to empower patients because. As I said earlier, it's about doing things with patients as opposed to two patients. So again, leverage, leveraging technology, uh, things like um, there are plenty of, of, of apps on the market now um, as to how they can um, use technology to monitor their own um, progress or, or, or treatment. And again, it's about um, keeping that inquiring mind as to how we can continue to evolve in healthcare care and, and improve the patient experience and the staff experience. And we have now beehives in the hospital, so we're going. Uh, our biodiversity program is also very important to us as well.
0: The, the beehives are deliberate, I take it.
1: Absolutely. And what's more, we're going to develop the Tuh honey, and we're going to sell it in the canteen.
0: I, I guess i Thank you, though, uh, and I genuinely mean it. It's. Uh, I get to work with a lot of customers. A, a lot of customers are trying to think through what their transformation looks like or do they even need to transform? And I, I genuinely found it inspiring talking to both of you, um, not just because of the stories you've told. Um, you're in very difficult industries, but it's the sort of humanity of what you talked about too. It, it wasn't about, hey, technology is the answer to everything. It's the, it's the combination of that, um, how you liberate your... Uh, teams to experiment. How you create psychological safety for them to do that from the top down. How you're clear on communications and what the mission is. Um, all of those aspects so essential to transformation. It is genuinely inspiring listening to you. Uh, you talk uh, in, in very different industries about how you've gone about that. So thank you so much for spending the time with us.
2: You're welcome. And thank you.